Now, Chris, say something. Uh, yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Good. Nice. <laughs> that's the kind of attitude we like over here. It's yeah, well, I mean, that's the realistic me, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything's a lie. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's all a facade. I guess this is a good way to start the podcast. We're all dying. Here's the intro. Wow. Sardonicast. Great movies. Keep it up. Proud of you. Da 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 Stolen from the H3. How's it going, everybody? We're Sardonicast. I'm Adam from yourmoviestinks.com. I'm Ralph from youtube.com slash Ralph the Movie Maker. And I'm Alex from uh, I Hate Everything. Why are you saying and? There's one more person here. You can oh, still I'm say sorry. and. Yeah. I was... You can say and. Yeah. No, that's grammatically incorrect to say and and then well, and what if that? Well, what if we were done listing the main cast and then we were going to introduce our special guest? That's true. You All had right. no yeah, idea what was going to happen. I stand corrected. Go ahead. Who's our special guest? My name's Chris Stuckman, and I turned my last name into a dumb catchphrase. Nice. <laughs> Get stuck in eyes. What uh, what, what prompted you to do that? What does it mean to get stuck monized? You know, honestly, um, it was like uh, I don't know, like fucking 2011, and I was doing. There was this old web show called uh, this old website called Blog TV, where you could do a live web streams. I remember that. And like mm -hmm. fans could come and see you and stuff. People were talking about like how I should have a catchphrase, and this was like when I had, you know, I was under a hundred thousand subs, I think, at that time, and I was like, well, here's like six stupid ones, and it was a poll, and I included stuckmanized <laughs> and like get stucked and stuck you and all these stupid things, and and they voted for it. They they voted. They oh, were like wow. stuckmanized is our favorite, and so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna use it. So I it, honestly like my viewers at the time voted and, and I picked the one they chose and it's it's sort of quote unquote stuck ever since then. And I've always wanted uh. to like, I think every single year I feel like changing it more and more because I, I, I want to kill myself every time I say it. <laughs> but no, that's, it's good, it's good that's a cute a little story behind it. That yeah. makes it charming actually. I like it more now. It's a good thing that you didn't go with get stuck because at this year right. it would sound like get cucked. Oh no! Uh, it sounds like too similar. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it would. Good thing that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. What? Uh, when did you start the YouTube's? Uh, two thousand nine. Back mm. in the day, man. I mean, it's been. I mean, this August it'll be nine years. So Holy shit! Sort of. Uh, wow. Sort of terrifying, actually. Wow. Yeah. And you got a million subs. Way more oh, than that, right? I guess. Yeah, I do. I How's mean, that I, pressure? I can't handle 400,000. I'm like fucking freaking it out. I don't pressure. know what to do it anymore. It's like, <laughs> I was talking to my friend the other day and we had just seen Solo at, at the mm -hmm. screening and we were both like, man, that was really average. And oh. we were like, don't you remember, don't you miss that time where you could just go to a movie, have an opinion and then just go home and not care? <laughs> Yep. And now it's yeah. like you have to tell everyone, you have to make sure that you you come across as, as well as you can in the video or that, that you are being your yourself while also entertaining, while also being honest. Because mm -hmm. if you're too honest, then you're just a hater. If you're not honest enough, you're a shill. So it's like I miss those days where you could just like go to go to the theaters, have fun, have a, watch a good movie or, or a bad movie and then just 
go to work the next day not caring. <laughs> yeah. I I agree with you, although um I do find that there is a hidden benefit to that for myself personally because it helps me kind of be able to properly phrase and understand my own opinions on a film. Sometimes if I just think about it for a while, then I'm like, oh, okay, and it, it starts to form itself better and I start to understand more why about why I feel the way I do about certain aspects of a movie. Yeah, but like when you're yeah. an up-and-comer, you don't have to worry about anything you say. Like it can be totally incorrect, but you're doing it for fun. But right. as you get oh, like, yeah. a bigger audience, you have to start like watching your words carefully because mm. they actually matter and people listen to them. So it oh, yeah. makes it less fun as a whole yeah. and more like work. But I yeah, hear, yeah, I yeah. get what both of you were saying. I psychoanalyze pretty much everything. Uh, like every, if I say an actor's name, that's a more difficult name, especially if I'm reviewing a foreign film, I start watching like uh, TIFF interviews or like when an yeah. announcer has to like announce them to like make sure I say their name right. Yeah. Because if you're a yeah. print critic, you don't have to worry about that. You just copy, the, copy yeah. and paste their name from IMDb. You have to like make sure you pronounce the name correctly or you have to make some big th show of it to say like, oh, well, I'm not going to try to butcher this person's name because it's too hard. Sorry. There's so many little factors you have to work into once you do have a level of success to to not just make or craft an entertaining video or mm -hmm. review. You have to also like factor in all these little things to make sure that they're not psychoanalyzing, you know, everything you could possibly say incorrectly. Our lives are so hard. I know, I know. I'm just gonna. Go <laughs> so people don't have shop. food in this world. We're complaining about fucking making <laughs> reviews on the relative. internet. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, it's all like, relative. In reality, Ralph, like I totally agree with you. Like I, yeah. I am happy. It's just uh -huh. that it's fun. To, it's fun to get together with like like-minded people and just rant about like random yeah. YouTube BS. The struggles of YouTube. I agree with you. I I also. Uh, often look up how names are pronounced and sometimes the people who introduce them in interviews have no fucking idea how to do it either and they just kind of wing it and go <laughs> with it and hope and pray or just pretend like they didn't do anything wrong just say it with confidence <laughs> and for yeah. the director of Arrival Dennis Villanueva <laughs> that's how oh I read it oh my god um, with, with him now correct me is it Denis Villeneuve yes Denis okay, great. Villeneuve as in like veal, like baby cow, and then nuv, as in... Great, mm, okay, so like what happened of. was, when I first reviewed, um, I think it was Prisoners, mm. I, I said, I don't remember what I said, but I think I said I'm not going to try it, or, or maybe I did try it, I don't remember, that was like 2013, and I had a really nice lady from um, Canada send me a private video back when you could do that nice and it was just like hey i'm a big fan this is how you pronounce his name and she would and she said it like 10 times in a row just for me <laughs> that's weird <laughs> that's yeah helpful. i was like all right well now i know how to do it <laughs> yeah sometimes i still have no fucking idea fans are weird have you ever gotten nude pictures from fans oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm just oh, curious because yeah. I don't think I'm the only one. Do you two get it too, uh, Adam um, and Alex? Hmm. On Snapchat, yeah. That's how <laughs> I don't have a Snapchat. Yeah, I, it got it got to the point where I can recognize it before I even open it now, so I just delete it instantly. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather not have it scarred into my brain. Huh. Mm -hmm. I I don't uh, I don't get that often at all. Maybe it's because they know it wouldn't really phase me. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 
I can't. Yeah, I can't think of a time. If you if you if you're you make it clear that something bothers you, then people will do it. You know. Yeah, the first time I ever got one, I was like, what? Like, I was single still. So I was like, what's this all about? And I clicked on it and I was like, OK, that's obviously not even the person. That's just porn. And then, <laughs> like, you know, ever every once in a while now, if I get something, obviously now it's it's like background noise. I barely even notice. It's just like an instant delete and I'm on with my day. Mm. Yeah, I just, I just think it's funny. I get a little chuckle out of it. and then It is on. funny. I've been asked to uh, to give them nudes before. That's happened a few oh, times. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's common practice, isn't <laughs> Interesting. it? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been asked to fulfill anyone's fetish? Yeah, a few times. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Well, well strangers or <laughs> somebody asked for like pictures of the soles of my feet, and I was like, okay, and I did it. <laughs> really? <laughs> It's okay. like it's like not even nudity to me. You made their whole night. People see my feet on the beach. You know how could I be ashamed of that? I don't give a shit. It's a small thing I can right. do for somebody else. Clearly made just their day. Made his whole day. Just to get yeah. them off. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate those pictures you sent, Adam. Someone asked me to send him like a, a five minute video of me staring into the screen, crossing my eyes. Very specific. Why? <laughs> to get them they off. Have a cross eye fetish. What? Oh, that's their fetish. Okay. Yeah, like I, I looked it up and it's totally real. Like huh. there's whole videos of it, like of people just crossing their eyes. Yeah, there's a fetish oh. for everything. Yeah, there yeah. is. I had to um, I'm doing a Fifty Shades of Grey review, all three of them. So I had to look up like mm. some really sick porn to just nice. compare it to. Like, oh, <laughs> look how much better internet porn is. And I found this thing called pterodactyl porn, where it's guys dressed up in pterodactyl. Oh, I've suits. seen that. <laughs> Having sex with a woman, and I'm like, what? Whose fetish is this? This must be like eight people on the fucking planet, and there's a whole genre yeah. of porn just dedicated to them. I've yeah. never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. This conversation just went off the rails, but. I know, I'm very yeah, compelled thanks. to just turn off Discord right now and just start looking at <laughs> Yeah. I think I think well, if you guys want to talk about a film. Okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> we could. Yeah. We we got a lot of com I don't know if you guys noticed these comments at all. But uh people were comparing our reviews for Deadpool 2 and being like, mm -hmm. "Man, they're going to really duke it out on the next episode of Sardonicast." They always do but that. our ratings weren't that different. It was like between what, a 5 and a what was yours, Stuckman? I think yours was yours I, the I, highest I, I it was Ralph. A B, a 5 and a B. And what B is like equivalent to like a 7 or something? Like a six, yeah. six point five yeah, to a like, seven. Yeah, the lowest was a five. I gave it a six. Ralph, you gave it what? Like a seven, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, we didn't. Stars, right? And we're not gonna argue with each other over that shit. Yeah, it's dead. Like, what is no, like? No, what no. is there yeah, to you discuss? Didn't find it funny? That's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> son, that's about where it starts and ends. What you didn't like the action sequences? Are you insane? What's wrong with you? You call yourself a critic? <laughs> You're clearly paid by Disney or Fox. Oh, yeah. yeah. There were a few people that uh, thought that I didn't notice the um, the choir singing, holy shit balls, because I, I mentioned the sound, the uh, composition, and said that it wasn't all that impressive. And although I did forget about that part when I was uh, recording that part of my review, I, I still don't find it all that special. I feel like that's been done many, many of times before. That's been done in, like, Drawn Together... It was done in that beer commercial that was really popular on YouTube. I found it. Like, I found it special because it didn't draw any attention to itself. It was just kind of thing in the background, and you picked up on it like, like later on. Eh, like, oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah, it played yeah. Yeah. I by like itself that. in the end credits too. That's oh, that's yeah, where I, I noticed, noticed right in the credits. 
Really? In the credits? I noticed it's just like in some random yeah, action scene. I'm like, scene. oh, they're saying holy shit balls. Mm. That's cute. Yeah, it's all right. It wasn't that special. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I don't know. Like, I was a big fan of the first film because it felt like it came out at the right time. Like, it, it came out in the midst of all this... Uh, you know, people are still today talking about superhero fatigue, but like mm-hmm. when Deadpool when Deadpool came out, a lot of people that's kind of like when the conversations were starting. Like, okay, we've had Avengers, and now we're having the DC universe, and now we have the Fantastic Four, and all this stuff. And and Deadpool was just like the great antidote to that, where you could just watch a movie where someone literally makes fun of that while also mm-hmm. in, in while also being that. So I mean. I don't yeah. know. It worked for me. I've always liked the character in the comics, and I thought they did a great representation of it after having seen like the butchery they did to him in the the Origins shit fest. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that little nod at the end. With this one, I definitely didn't like it quite as much as the first. I know that the director Tim Miller uh, from the first film had some issues with the the direction they were taking this, and he left the project because mm. of arguing or whatever. You know, whatever they said in the yeah. in the news videos that they made and so i don't know i wasn't i I didn't like it as much as the first i didn't think it's had like the the same vitality the first one had i obviously it's not going to be as shocking or as surprising the second time around just like with any film like deadpool when you make a sequel but it was still an entertaining film the character still felt true to himself true to his roots and Mm -hmm. I, i guess i didn't really like the villains because there were like many and and they kept shifting. So yeah, much. it was kind of like, I don't know, side quest villain sort of thing. And it didn't help that they they repeated half of the jokes from the first one. Do you notice that? Yeah. Uh, but they did them differently enough to where I thought it was, it was cute. Well, like I can call back. I didn't have any of those issues. See, the thing Somewhat. is, I agree with you, Chris, that the, the impact is kind of dulled now because this is the second one and it's not as relevant anymore. But I think it's just a better made movie as a whole than the first one, which is why I sure. liked it more. It's everything I wanted the first one to be. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. just done straight out. I, I Like, for yeah. a Deadpool movie, I don't really see how you can do anything better for me. Because I thought right. it was hilarious, and that's all I wanted it to be. And it was fun. Was Was Logan already set to be rated R before the first Deadpool was released, or did... Do you, I don't think so. We think that no, you know, that had so a either. contribution took, like, towards that decision. Definitely. Yeah, they did. Like, um, there's even a joke in the beginning of Deadpool two, like the very first scene. Uh, Wade Wilson, he's like, uh, first Wolvie rides my coattails with the R rating. <laughs> then he has to go and fucking die." Yeah, mm. yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. There's this whole rivalry in the whole movie where like Deadpool's trying to outdo Wolverine yeah. <laughs> in making his film like more dramatic and sad at the end. Yeah, yeah, I do like I do like the meta references in the second film in particular, just the fact that it keeps reminding you it's a movie and talks about its box office success and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny to me. Um, does anybody remember when uh the first film was uh announced and set to be released and there was an online petition uh <laughs> for That's for a PG thirteen rated deadpool so some little stupid kid could see it does anybody remember <laughs> yeah, that really? oh yeah <laughs> i don't remember no. that at all it was uh, it was it was very much uh popularized by another youtube critic that i'm not going to name because i don't want people <laughs> to, to bash her but it was one of those things where i was <laughs> oh, just like yes, this yes. is this is a you you don't understand anything about why this is important for it to be r-rated like why yeah. if 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 the little kid can only see the movie if it's pg-13 
then either the mom should be like, okay, it's cool, you can watch this rated R film with me, which you're legally allowed to do. There's no issue there. Or just wait until you're mm -hmm. older. Fuck off. That's part of the joke. That's what makes it funny. Because it's not like, it's not just vulgar humor. It's vulgar humor in a superhero movie, which is what makes it funny for me anyway. Yeah, or, fuck that kid. Like, or, or, or that kid could, uh, <laughs> could, could do what I did when I was not allowed to watch rated R's. Like when I was like 10, I, I waited for them to come on the TV and they were edited for content. Yeah, that too. Yeah. We'll just sneak in the theater. It, That's what I like, did. Wait two years and watch it when it's on FX because it's on FX every day now anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's no, there, I, I don't understand the whole concept of uh, trying to petition Fox to change the film and make a separate cut and have it play in what, twice as many theaters or half as many for the uh, R-rated one or whatever? Like, they yeah. should have they should have released it and and like at Walmart just like a Walmart exclusive Blu-ray and it was just called <laughs> it, it's called like the cut for that kid. Uh, man. <laughs> like just for that one long. kid. I should have I should have just fucking swept in and be like, kid, I will make a fan edit for you, and just cut out <laughs> half the movie. Yeah, like and just mail him a copy. Yeah, there we go. We so have, an, we have a PG Here's what I'm cut. curious about. I'm because Alex, I I don't think you like the movie, right? Or you were okay. I really on it. didn't. No. So I, I want to argue with five. you. Okay, argue <laughs> with me. Let me let me um explain my experience of how it went down. Okay. And this might be a cultural thing, okay? Yeah. I was so thinking I, that too. I, I roll up to Deadpool Two. Mm -hmm. It's a relatively busy theatre, got <laughs> people around me. Film starts just silence. And the film ends. Like, and there's just like one little minor <laughs> chuckle through the whole thing. I think that is kind of part of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, you could tell that the audiences kind of enjoyed it, like a bit, but <laughs> yeah, but nothing. Even when like there were a couple times I wanted to laugh out loud, it was like, God, am I going to embarrass like myself here? Or, yeah, that's, or that's it was really too. weird. It couldn't have been like as good as your experience watching the emoji movie with the crowd. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that was weren't pretty they epic. laughing a lot? Yeah, they were actually more than Deadpool. <laughs> more <two>. than Deadpool. <laughs> I swear, well, I have the worst experiences in the cinema. I hear that British humor is very different, and from the media you've yeah. seen. I yeah, mean. I think that's part of why it just didn't gel with me. Um, yeah. I, I like much more dry humor, and I like the jokes to be. I was, I was actually, I was in the shower trying to think about what it was. I, 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 I don't particularly like about the, these Deadpool movies. I like the first one more, but. Oh. I think I think this I think I boiled it down to something along these lines of I was thinking about comedies where I really like the the humor in it mm -hmm. and I think it comes down to the characters instead of rattling off jokes nonstop their character in and of themselves is what's funny so think of something like the Big Lebowski right yeah all those characters they're not they're not streaming off jokes nonstop. Yeah. the characters are funny and them interacting is what's funny deadpool isn't exactly subtle when it comes to its humor like there's I a couple of subtle of jokes here and there but i mean the overall humorous aspect is pretty straightforward you know yeah. right. to me I mean, like, he literally turns you to, over the, the to the camera and like talks to us did i leave yeah, the oven exactly. on in the middle of a fight it's like, i didn't i didn't find that <laughs> yeah. very funny and that was in the trailer it's, yeah there's little jokes like that that don't work throughout the, the whole thing yeah. but yeah 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 i thought half of the jokes worked and half of the jokes didn't um I, it was just annoying me how i wish it was either more absurd or took itself more seriously and, and used that to be funny yeah um, Mm -hmm. One thing that I will say about it is that it kind of wants to be two things at once. 
you know it could exactly. it could go into full force meta humor nothing makes sense this movie is a joke sort of thing but at the same time it also tries to have the whole you know cliched serious superhero aspect to it as well um, yeah and in the same sense so does guardians of the galaxy at at points too you know it tries to have both when i wish you know mm -hmm. it, it would appeal to me more if it just didn't even try to have the more standardized stereotypical elements which is why i love black dynamite the whole thing is a fucking joke you know kung pao yeah. the whole thing's a fucking joke you know, even if yeah. we're not talking about parody films, there's some movies like Smiley Face. The whole thing's a fucking joke. I like I like <laughs> movies like that. Yeah, there's sure. just this this sort of arrogance, I guess, is the word I would describe. Where it's like, look, we're doing the same things other superheroes mo movies do, but it's bad when they do it. But we're aware that we're doing it, which means it's okay and funny. Yeah, you know, like they they point out, look, this is bad writing. Oh, I hate it's that like, line. Well, it's still bad writing. But then yeah. I don't think it would work as a superhero movie as a whole if there were no stakes. And that's why I find these the serious elements interesting in both the Deadpool movies is mm -hmm. that it actually takes the serious stuff seriously, which I do like. And it's like, I think it's funny because it's just a straightforward superhero movie with this one character in it that's completely self-aware of how fucking dumb the entire genre is and just constantly pokes fun at the structure of the story mm -hmm. and how, like you know, uh, greedy and corporate foxes and all that stuff surrounding the movie. That's why I find it funny. I don't I don't want it to reinvent the wheel. I just enjoy the, the better humor in it. I also feel like, I guess if it did actually go super far in that direction, it would be very difficult for it to connect itself with the rest of the Marvel Universe, and it's kind of trying to do that in a way. Like, who knows what the fuck's going to happen now that Disney owns Fox. Are they going to try to make Deadpool a part of the MCU? What's going to happen there? I don't know. What do you I think? That's like the, that's thing. the big question, really, is how can you, how can you, they would have to censor him in some way, or they would have to, Yeah. like, I, I think just from, like, a pure rating aesthetic, he fits more in with, like, the Netflix Marvel Universe, that because that, they're all very violent and, like, rated mm -hmm. mature and stuff. Than, yeah. than he does with the the feature films. So I don't really know how they could do that. I think I I want them to t to stay separate. That's just me. I mean, you're going to get your people who want to see 20 people on the screen at the same time blowing things up. But I, I just want to see, like, the Deadpool movies just be their own thing, kind of inclusive but separate at the same time. Yeah, that's why I find it fun. It's Because it's just its own little thing off to the side that's not connected to anything. It's just they're they're good self-contained movies. Would yeah. would you guys like to see? I was thinking about like, you know, the way Airplane, yes, parodies just the ridiculous nature of those those kinds of films. I, I would like to see Deadpool attempt something like that. You know, where it's just ridiculous, absurd, um, and just fully embraces what it is instead of still doing what it is, but just being self-aware about it. I think it's yeah. just the self-awareness that gets me the most. I, I would like that, too. It's like 80% of the way there. I do think there's some yeah, serious the stuff thing. that doesn't work. But then there's, like, the action scene in the middle of the movie where just collateral damage, just, like, a fuck ton of stuff is just destroyed and they crash into cars constantly. And that's making fun of, like, the DC movies where they just cause tons of collateral damage yeah. and there's no consequences for it. I love stuff like that. I would like something like that, too. But I think this is kind of a uh, careful what you wish for scenario because yeah. it might just be directed by Friedberg and Seltzer. <laughs> oh my god. 
<laughs> yeah, the best spoof directors. Mm. Are they making Save movies us. still? Yeah, um, oh, they made the money. Technically, I, I think they are, but I feel are. like a lot of people were like, "Hey, these people make terrible shit films," and then it sort of started to get around, so they're making less. I don't know. The uh, title of their upcoming film is called "Star Worlds Episode XXXIVE Equals MC Two: The Force <laughs> The Last Jedi Who Went Rogue." That's uh, so funny. The title of their next uh, film. <laughs> well, you get it. It's parodying Star Wars, ha. Huh? Yeah. yeah, I got the joke. I n- I understand that reference. <laughs> to to back off like what you guys were saying about um how you wish Deadpool would be more irreverent and insane. I feel mm-hmm. like if they allow him to keep that time travel d- uh, device that he has at the end of Deadpool two, where he in the end credits he you know he goes back in time, that would make for a really interesting Deadpool three if they let him do all kinds of things with that throughout the entire film. Like it would just mm-hmm. make the entire movie absolutely insane. I know, um, I guess in the original script for Deadpool 2, they cut it out though. This, this And again, my friend who lives in LA, he told me this, so take it with a grain of salt. There was a scene when he gets the, uh, the time travel device where he goes back prior to Nazi Germany and he finds baby Hitler in mm-hmm. a crib. And... Uh, he he thinks about it for a second. He's like, this is a toughie. And then he just unloads bullets into the crib. That's what my friend told me. Yeah, okay. I've never heard that. It's great. Yeah, it oh, was, apparently it was supposed that. to be like one of the uh, end credits sequences. Because okay. he, he did a lot of going back in time and killing then. But apparently yeah. they just didn't want to end the movie on killing a baby. But yeah, I just heard this. <laughs> Why from my not? Friend, so. oh, come on. I don't know how accurate this is, but I heard this from my friend too. So it's baby Hitler. You think Disney will allow it now? Right. <laughs> I would just. I, I hope he has that device in the third one because it would make the. It would make it just absolutely insa- uh, insanity. He, he time travels quite a bit in the comics too. Hmm. I haven't read a whole all of them. I've read some of them, but that would be a really great addition to the movie to just make it even more nuts. I completely mm-hmm. agree with you. Here's a question for you. Because I know you like comics. I'm not a huge comic per- person. What's sure. your favorite comic? Do um, you have a favorite? Most, let's see, probably Daredevil's, Frank, uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil run. Mm-hmm. Th- those are my, oh. my favorites. They're dark, they're violent, they're bloody, they're just, there's no hope in them at all. Like, there isn't, there, there's barely even, like, a wink to mm-hmm. what could be fun in them, but they don't, it doesn't come off depressing or dour it just comes off natural and i've always loved his his art style too mm-hmm. um i feel like he's completely unique in that there's there's no other artist who, who who draws the way he does but when it comes to comics like i'm not an authority i don't consider myself an authority i have like in my basement i have a shelf one shelf with graphic novels and that's it and mm-hmm. i've read a lot of those but like I don't go to the comic shop and read every issue every week or something. I haven't read a new comic in a very long time. I just I went through like a phase in my teenage years where I read a whole bunch for fun. I would rent them from the library because I had like no money at all and just read a whole bunch of them. And so I, I've always appreciated them. I, I think that's probably why I like comic book movies more probably than you guys do, just because mm-hmm. I tend to see these stories I read coming to life. 
Um, yeah. But it also makes me it also makes me more judgmental of them too, since I I know the source and I I, I tend to look at the source more. And so, like for instance, with Deadpool up two, I was like, it's good, it was fine, it's a B. And you know, people, oh my god, it's perfect, it's an A. You're wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, whatever. It's like have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we didn't really talk about this in the uh, episode where we were talking about Infinity War, but a friend told me that in the comics, Thanos had a completely different motivation. Yeah, um, he is obsessed with death, mm -hmm. and he's trying to basically like, yeah, he's trying to like court death. I think yeah. mm, it's a lady. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I guess like cinematically. It probably makes more sense the way they did it, but just logistically trying to understand the character, I feel like it makes more sense for him to be, you know, trying to get laid than just. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cause that makes made... more sense to me. I don't know. His his logic was fine in that movie. You could expand the universe by two. I do like Deadpool 2 more than Infinity War. Am I alone in that thinking that Deadpool 2 is better? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like Infinity War a bit more. Really? All right. Yeah. I mean, I liked it, but I like it significantly more. I thought everything about it was better than Deadpool. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not one thing I can think of. Yeah. I even like the humor more in in uh, Infinity War. Yeah, oh, that I can't agree with. You I think Infinity War is my favorite Marvel movie. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay. More I was than, thinking um, about it. Guardians. Well, Guardians? so like like the Guardians ones, right? Guardians and Homecoming were the only ones that I had rated a seven, and now it like. I, 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 I already said that there's sixes now. And out of all of the Marvel movies I can think of, there's not a single one that's begging me to watch it again. Like, I'm thinking, like, you know, I could revisit Homecoming. I could revisit Guardians, but I don't want to. There's nothing about mm -hmm. it that, that makes me yeah. feel like I'm going to get something more out of a second watch. And there's nothing about my first watch that was so great that makes me want to see it again sort of thing. Whereas Infinity War... I could watch it again. I liked I liked what I was feeling in that movie. I liked a decent amount. I about did it. watch it again. I actually liked it more the second time. Yeah. Yeah. Really. That's yeah. Because cool. like on the first time, it was just so much to take in, and and it was just con it was just constantly happening, and you know like these huge scene after huge scene. It never felt like it slowed down, and I kind of felt like it was a detriment to the film the first time I saw it because I was just kind of on overload when I left the theater and I went and saw it again like a couple days later and it just it flowed really nicely and I was able to kind of relax a little bit and not care about analyzing everything and you know making sure everything that's one of the things about first viewings with these big movies you're you're carefully watching everything listening trying to make sure you don't miss anything and it's nice on the second viewing to be like I'm just going to have fun and watch this movie mm -hmm. in regards to like favorite Marvel movies I don't have a favorite but i can tell you the one that has the best rewatchability for me over the past i know it's only been a, a, a not even quite a year but mm -hmm. i've seen thor ragnarok more times than most because it just feels it doesn't really feel like it fits in with the rest which is one of the things i like one of the things i like about it it was a complete turnaround for the thor character and it wasn't like I mean, I, I don't even feel like ever watching the first two Thors literally mm -hmm. ever again. Yeah, I don't feel like, like watching them for the first time. <laughs> you shouldn't. Now that I've seen that version of him, the other the other two just I don't even want to look at it. So yeah, yeah. And it's and Taika Waititi, I, I actually got to meet him um, this year, and he was super super fucking cool. That's dope. 
Yeah. Like it was at the Critics Choice Awards. I got to go for like the first time. I asked him how he balances making like this this giant movie with like his other films he's made that are considerably smaller, you know, like Hunt for the Wilder People or whatever. And he just looks at me. He he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, "Make one for you, make one for them." Yeah. And I was like, "That's a good way to look at it, you know. Like you just you you work hard on something that you know you want to create for yourself that feels personal to you that you that you feel like you have to get out of your system, but then you also have to pay your bills and you have to you know support your family or whatever. So it, it was a good way to look at it. Yeah. 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 I've always kind of felt that way, especially when uh, considering the uh, whole fiasco with. Uh, Josh Trank and Fantastic, because uh, I mean he was throwing a fucking fit over not having all the creative control he wanted, despite working on, you know, a pre-existing IP that is a superhero movie for Fox, and he was bitching <laughs> about not having full creative control. But all he's thinking is just like, just just bite the bullet. You signed on to this project, make the thing that they want you to make, and then make the movie you want to make after. You know, if you if you. Yeah. Continue this and you make something like half decent and don't just throw the entire project down the shitter. You can do whatever you want. Just have some patience. But yeah, apparently yeah. he didn't want to do that. Yeah. Some some directors are, are very much so control freaks. I've met a lot that, I mean, I'm not going to name them. And you wouldn't even know him anyway. He's a very small time like mm -hmm. indie director who, who um, I've met recently. I went to the set. It was shooting in Ohio, so I was able to go. And I went because I'm friends with a cinematographer. It's the same cinematographer that did my short film. And wow. he invited me to the set. He was telling me on the side, like, yeah, we're having all these issues right now with the way, with, with control and with uh, the way he's, he's viewing the shots. And he, he's, not, he's not happy with this and he's not happy with that. And the actors are starting to feel uncomfortable. And I was talking to him about it. And it's true. Some directors, they cannot even think think about pressing record or, or beginning to edit unless it is exactly what they want. They have no compromising tactics. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to do that. So yeah, I think Trank, like you said, I mean, it, he should have just, again, you know, none of us were there, but like there, there should have been a moment where he justified the level of film he's making with what he's done in the past and, and sort of figure out a way to, to compromise with everybody well also like yeah. he didn't invent fantastic four you know like right. i i would right. say that it's it makes it's perfectly justified for many directors to be control freaks and my favorite directors are very likely control freaks and it shows in their absolutely, work absolutely yeah right yeah i mean like look at kubrick i mean he was yeah. insane you can't do that with somebody else's project like fantastic four is fox's project i don't care if your name's on it i don't care if you're a director for hire you don't own fantastic four you're making a superhero movie for a big studio right yeah that's why that's why marvel and all these other studios always get indie directors to direct these big movies because yeah. they go at the end of the day like listen you made one indie movie and we're fucking marvel and we're gonna make a billion dollars so you do what we say at the end of the day mm -hmm. and, you know right. yeah put your name that's on the map. bad mindset yeah, you'll get your projects funded more easily in the future, and you'll have more creative control. I mean, I exactly. hope so. How do you guys think um, this has impacted the new Star Wars film that's just come out? Because that had a bit of controversy behind it. Yeah. Are you talking about the Lord and Miller, Lord and Miller. sort of thing? Well, yeah. I don't know why they uh, had to drop out. It was just creative differences, right? But I mean, I it's Disney, so, so. we don't know. Making a fun movie, God forbid. <laughs> It's 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 too entertaining. 
I read an interview with Amelia Clark she she did the other day. She played Kira in the movie and like her all she said about it was that Ron Howard saved the movie. And really? yeah, and then she made like this sort of like offhand quote where she said like she her exact quote was something like if y'all are going to tell me to keep acting like I'm from a film noir movie, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and a lot a lot of people took that as saying that that's the direction that Lord and Miller were giving her and that hmm. she wasn't doing much with it. So I don't know, like apparently the actors seemed happier with the with the, the change. But yeah, I mean, this is what always happens whenever we hear about these these edits, when the Rogue One edits happened or when the Justice League edits happened. And now everyone always like, well, I want to see the other cut. I mean, I do. I honestly do. But like, there is a chance that, that it's not as good. I mean, how far into yeah. production was the Lord and Miller thing, though? They only had a script, right? I'm pretty they sure they shot directing. the whole film. No, what? I think oh, they no. like halfway. What? Yeah, halfway. Oh my yeah, god! No, more than halfway. This is news to me. Halfway. I didn't even know. I thought they'd finish Holy shooting shit. it, but yeah, they were wow. almost done. That's why it's such an expensive film in the end. It has a ludicrously big budget because they reshot yeah. like seventy percent of the film or something. It costs yeah. more than any other Star Wars movie. Wow! Right? It's the most expensive one. Which and is it's shocking. A, one of the that's safest some, like, ones. Yeah, like some Han Solo knockoff movie is like the most expensive fucking movie in the entire <laughs> series. <laughs> Who would have thought that? I I like I, I read an interview with Harrison Ford, or not an interview where um it was Ron Howard. He said Harrison Ford said he adored <laughs> it. I want to see like Harrison Ford in like five years. Some paparazzi walks up to him. What what what'd you really think of the Han Solo? It sucked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, how like, much did they that's pay him what to he think does, that? you know? Yeah. What'd you guys think of the uh, main actor? Alden Ehrenreich? Who's all seen it? Oh, yeah. Everyone's seen it, but I, I haven't seen it, but okay. the rest of you can talk about it. I Alex, did you see it? And I didn't care. Yep, I've seen it. Oh, wow. Ralph, you were the you were the person in the last episode that said you would definitely see it just to make money. I, I said I might see it to make money off the review, oh. but I didn't end up seeing it because I was busy this week. I had no interest in seeing it. It looks so fucking boring. Yeah, me But either. I've heard mixed things. Quint Reviews said it was awful, and then I've heard some people say it's okay, and then Red Letter Media liked it. So I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll well, go see it this weekend. Some of Red Letter Media liked it, and even yeah, then they just it. said it was all right. <laughs> uh, one, one third of it did not like it as much. Yeah. I was the person last episode that said I definitely would not be seeing it, but uh, I had pulled an all-nighter because I was still uh, jet-lagged from Cannes, and it was noon, and I was already out of the house, and I was like, well, if I go back home, I'm just going to fall asleep, and that would be bad. So I looked at my phone, and I was like, hey, well, Star Wars is playing. I guess I can do something productive, and uh, that's how my story ends. It was yeah, all right. You didn't fall, didn't fall asleep during it? No, I'm pretty good <laughs> at not falling asleep during movies, <laughs> except for the movie Awake. Yeah, Awake is a... Yeah, yeah, that's the exception. The Hayden Christensen movie? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I, I remember watching that back in the that. day. Was I was bad. really... I remember before I saw the previews, I thought it was such a fucked up idea. And I was afraid the entire movie was going to be like a surgery torture porn movie. And it's really not. Like, it, mm. there's like this, this whole stupid backstory that yeah. like builds up. That's so dumb. It's really convoluted. Yeah. Yeah, what did uh what did you guys think of the uh main actor? Uh he's fine, I guess. Um I, I feel bad for him kind of because you can't really do anything with it. You you basically you're hampered into an imitation of something that everyone around the world already loves. And 
you just kind of have to find a way to emulate that while also following the script. I've liked a lot of Lawrence Kasdan's work. I mean, he's written some classics, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Empire Strikes Back. You know, I mean, he he basically helped invent one of the greatest characters of all time, Indiana Jones, between him and Lucas and Spielberg. Mm-hmm. And this script was so fucking safe. Like, th- there's there's never even like a hint of that edginess that Harrison Ford gave Han Solo in yeah. the, the originals. There, there's never a moment where he's not smirking or smiling or chuckling or telling some joke or or not caring about something. He's always just relying on luck to get him out of situations. And that's that's not that's sort of like the the aura that's like been created around Han Solo. But that's not actually how he portrays himself in the movies. Yeah, they I didn't really feel like I saw the character, whereas with Donald Glover and Lando Calrissian, like. I'm not I'm not a huge Star Wars fan at all. I barely have any memory of Lando Calrissian, but when I saw Donald Glover play him, I was like, that's it. Like it, it immediately yeah. jogged my memory. I was like, oh yeah, this is exact I know exactly who this is. And Definitely. Then yeah, playing playing Han Solo, a character who's supposed to be incredibly recognizable. I didn't see any of it in him. See, I, I thought he was okay, but it was the material that held him back the most cuz it was just everything he had to do was was so predictable and by the books and he was just giving nothing to work with and it was the same way for a lot of the actors in the movie like i, I wasn't even that impressed by lando i know a lot of people are, are saying how good he was but to me i got the impression that it, it was just kind of an impression a lot of the time yeah it yeah, didn't always but... work for me but the whole film just it's the biggest problem it's pointless it's a pointless film everything about it you know <laughs> yeah. like they, they they're, they're at the point where they're making films about throwaway lines from yes. the yeah. previous movies. It's like, They're going to milk it point? dry. That's all they have. It's the ship that made the Kessel run in less than uh, 12 parsecs. Okay, We can make a movie out of that. Get on it. Let's make a movie. Oh, my God. $400 million Solo, in the bag. Solo, he's had his arc. You know? He's had yeah. his story. Yeah. So yeah. when you go... <laughs> that character has no space to grow or learn or do anything. But don't you want to know how he got his name? Exactly. Don't you want to know that... Oh, Ralph, can I spoil it? Yeah, go the ahead. name thing is not that much of a spoiler, but go, okay. go for it. Um, There's nothing it's to spoil. Like, it's so dumb. He just he he has to get out of a facility uh, in Corellia, where his home planet, and he thinks the fastest way is to join the Empire because they're taking everybody. And uh, he's like the 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 grunt or not the grunt, but the uh, the the guy at the the computer or whatever. He's like, uh, your name Han. What's your uh, people's name? I don't have any people. Han, hmm, Solo. We'll call you Han Solo. Because you're by yourself. And that's it. Really? Yeah, I would rather just never know it. Yeah. Why can't they yeah. just start yeah, the movie? Make, it's like, yeah. oh, my name's Han Solo. Oh, got yeah. it. He's Han I mean, Solo. <laughs> in in <laughs> the movie, like, in the movie, he directly references his parents. He Like, somebody says, um, are you close with your father? And he says, not really. He doesn't say, my dad's dead. He doesn't say, my, I, know, I don't know my parents. He just says he's not really close with his dad. So he has, he he was born from something. He's not like fucking Anakin Skywalker, Jesus baby. Hmm. Like, so he has parents. They could have just had it be his last name. It's just stupid. Yeah. I don't understand these movies where it's like, there's these cool side characters in movies and that's all they're made to be. is just like a cool side character. And that's what Han Solo is. Just like, oh, he's the badass off the side. He has a little arc and a new hope. 
and over yeah. Empire. And then like, okay, now we're going to give him a whole movie and we're going to make you like identify him and you can see him as a human being. And it's like, that doesn't make Han Solo cool anymore. You've ruined the mysticism and the awesomeness yeah. of yeah. Han Solo by making a whole movie about him. And they're going to do that with Lando and they're going to do that with Bubba Fett. Yeah. And they're going to do that with everybody until they run out of characters. They're going to be at fucking Dexter Jexter and Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> they're going to make movies about them. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a movie about the Rancor Keeper eventually. Like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I want to. I want a Jabba film. Yeah. You might. You could get it. You really, honestly could, man. Yeah. I want to know his you could story. Get a whole film with that slug. At this point. <laughs> he was trying to cross the border, and he just came out of a Pizza Hut, and they're like, "Okay, Jabba <laughs> the Hut." There you go. <laughs> we got it. And that's how he yeah, got That's his perfect. Name. Uh, we should make one of those videos where we predict all the, the future movies. Leave no stone unturned. Everything has to That's be explained. Exactly. I saw the movie by myself. Am I Adam Solo? <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. So I'll ask you guys something. If you were Disney right now, because you saw we're, we were talking about superhero fatigue and how like it still hasn't worn out yet. We're four years into Star Wars and it's already fatigued. So what would you do if you were the head of Disney and you had to fix this entire fucking franchise? People are still saying it. Save it. It not it's it's going down. Last yeah. Jedi made much less, and now this movie. It, people are saying it bombed. I don't think it did that bad, but it's it it's way bomb. underperforming it in comparison to the others. Like it bombed. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, they're gonna make it back in merchandise anyway. People are still seeing them. But it's a Star Wars movie that was released Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, but it's it very barely clearly, broke a hundred million. It it says in the title that it's a spinoff. It's like Solo, a Star Wars story. They're basically just saying Rogue, this Rogue one's not one important. You don't have to watch it. And then the trailer looked very uninteresting and unimportant, so people didn't see it. That's why it happened. But they'll continue making money. People will see Episode Nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. It's, some it's people, going. Some people don't want to see Han Solo if it's not Harrison Ford. That that too. Yeah, that too. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But it's going. I think I'm of the opinion that it's just going downhill and each one's making less and less because people are just kind of getting tired of it. So, I yeah. mean, if you think there's no issue, that's fine. We'll see where Di where Disney and Star Wars is in 10 years. I think, I think like, I, I know that they're trying to do an original trilogy with Ryan Johnson that's like has nothing to do <laughs> with the Skywalker family. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that needs to happen at some point because I am already I said it back when Rogue One came out I was like I don't need to know this story I don't care to know this story and I don't certainly don't need to know what Han Solo was doing with Woody Harrelson on top of a train so <laughs> I just I, I want there to be it's like the Star Wars galaxy is more than just this one group of people it's like this whole other universe I would love yeah. I this will never happen, but I want like a very independent feeling Star Wars movie that just takes place on one fucking planet the whole movie. They never go into space like even once. And it's that you could create just take any great script that's made out of an action movie like with uh, what they did with Die Hard with a Vengeance. That was uh, another script called Simon Says. They changed all the characters. They changed the character names. They kept the same script and they made a Die Hard movie. Make a great action movie on some random planet yeah. with brand new characters that we've never seen or heard from before. I mean, you could literally do anything. You have I I you have the rights too. to Star Wars. You could do anything. But by not doing that, they've limited the universe down to just like the. It's always the same shit. They every could time. do that at any point. Still, <laughs> I yeah. guess they could. But they're proving time and time again that there isn't anything to it, really. I, there's the facade that there's something to it. They have no idea how to write new characters. 
Yeah, I, I blame bad management. I blame Kathleen Kennedy for that. Woo! Woo. Holla! <laughs> yeah, I think, like, they spent $4 billion or whatever it was to buy all that from George Lucas, and now they're just so concerned with making all their money back, even though I think they're probably... They should be there already by now at this point. Think about merchandising. Yeah. Don't even consider like yeah. the film's profits. Yeah. The merchandising yeah. alone, the fucking toys are, are going to make the money back. The toys. Well, Porgs didn't sell well. Porgs kind of underperformed as well. <laughs> Dude, they'll, they'll have porks. a fucking Darth Maul fidget spinner and it'll be fine. <laughs> my, uh, my roommate's a big fan of Star Wars and he hates what Disney's done with it. But then I was explaining to him like what George Lucas did with it between the prequels and that fucking god-awful Star Wars Connect video game where you dance to, like, a, a Han Solo oh, song. Yeah. It's a parody of, of, what's that? Uh, riding Solo? I'm Han Solo. Riding Solo, I'm yeah. Solo. I'm Han Solo. The carbonite is gone. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I worked at Best Buy when that was out. I was laughing my ass off at all the games I got from people. Fuck. Everybody hated it. It was on display. Did you get to see people demoing it like yeah. all day? Yeah, I played the, oh, the what were they called? The, uh, I don't know, the huge monster things. You got to like crush the city. I played that one. Yeah. It was kind of fun because nobody was <laughs> in the awesome. store anyway. <laughs> I think we want to change topics pretty soon. Uh, Alex, did you have anything else to add about this uh, um, solo? I'd give, I'll just quickly give what I would do if I was the head of Disney. I'd want to make Star Wars a an event again. So how about this? You have a trilogy every 10 years. Ha. Just leave it at that. Ooh, that chance. I know that would That's... never happen, <laughs> but they could That's they could cool. just have the the hype cycle every time and people would just lose their minds. And you yeah. could have way more time planning them, making them actually amazing films. Yeah. That's the thing. Everyone's Moderation. worried about the money like right this moment, but if they if they drag it out for a long time, Star Wars could last fucking hundreds of years. Yeah, complete this new trilogy, then go dark for a bit. Give it time yeah. to gestate. Actually plan out what you're going to do with the future. And then, <laughs> nice. then um, proceed. I agree with you. I think the problem is that they're not going to because we, we live in this like real-time news world where everything is right now. Mm -hmm. And like when I was a kid and, there was a new, and the prequels were one every three years, I remember thinking that was forever. And then when I watched the movies, they felt like it was forever as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like with these... I, I, today we, we want everything right now and we get a new superhero we get three new superhero movies a year or something and so they're trying to basically do that with with star wars and i don't think it's a good idea i agree with you no yeah got him that's what makes it special got him hear that kathleen take her advice we're four guys on the on the internet <laughs> four white guys on the internet yeah i don't want to yeah. forget that point ralph do you mm -hmm. want to introduce uh the film recommendation of this uh, episode and also mention that uh, people should watch it. I guess I just did. Oh, yes, you should watch it, but this is a spoiler discussion of the film Mommy. Oh, I, I typed it into Google and The Mummy came out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not let's, let's The Mummy. That mommy. There we go. Yeah, let's, we're going to talk about The Mummy. Go see it. Um, so it's a film that came out in 2014 directed by Xavier Dolan. It is a wonderful movie. We're going to talk about it now. Spoilers. Describe so the, you guys describe the film. Describe it. Oh, yeah. so I could. So there's this. There's the mom. There's a a mom, and she's got a kid. A mommy. And the kid. Uh, there's a mommy, and <laughs> and the kid is like, kind of unpredictable and violent, and it's just about their life, and that's it. 
I don't know how else to describe it. They meet like a girl who has a stammer or or, or what is it called? Stutter. Uh, stutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speech and impediment. <laughs> Speech impediment. <laughs> that's it. That's the movie. Great explanation. Yep. Good job. It really made it sound interesting. What do you think? So what do you guys think of Mommy? <laughs> it was good. I thought it was. I thought it was great. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. I had never seen it before, and mm-hmm. um, at YMS. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna call you YMS. If that's sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's like whenever I talk to any of my buddies, I'm like, yeah, I talked to my buddy YMS. They're like, who? Uh, sorry, Adam from YMS. And they're like, oh, yeah, him. Okay. Um, anyway, he, you messaged me. You were like, don't try to fix your TV when the film starts <laughs> because the aspect ratio is supposed to look like an iPhone. And I was like, okay, okay. And it, it took like five minutes, but I kind of, I started to forget about it. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it started to... It, it was a, it was an adjustment, just like um, the son is also. He's a bit of an adjustment because he's so he's so unlikable for a, a large portion of the movie mm-hmm. that it, it it's it's something I really actually admired about it is that films nowadays when you have a character like that, they try so hard to as quick as possible make you like them, even though they're they're really violent and rude and. You know, like he's touching his mom's breasts and stuff. And you're like, okay, dude, like, you know, take a couple steps back. But this film doesn't. It takes a long time before you kind of see under the surface and understand the nuances of his character. And you can kind of understand why he acts the way he does. And I really admired that about it because I think writers are afraid to put characters like that in their scripts nowadays because they're they don't want mm-hmm. people to think their movie's annoying or a character's annoying. But this movie lets that kind kind of drag on for a while, and uh, I was impressed by that. Yeah, it feels yeah. it feels like a real person rather than a character with an agenda from the script. You know, the mm-hmm. script isn't necessarily being like, okay, here's what we definitely want the audience to feel at this point, so we'll tweak his character and have him do this here you know, having like a little checklist. It was more organic than that, I felt. Yeah. Like it, it was a very strange character, a very unconventional character, very troubled character, but it still felt very real, very realistic mm-hmm. with, yeah. of somebody with developmental issues and ADHD, et cetera, et cetera. Like this, this type mm-hmm. of person does exist and they are fucked oh, up. Absolutely. And oh, yeah. they are a handful, but you can understand Definitely. why um, the mother uh, loves him in the end still. You know, even if part of the relationship is a bit manipulative, in a sense, you you can still empathize with it. Yeah, throughout the whole thing, even though he's completely unlikable for a lot of it, you want to see him get better just because of how much... I think her name's Diane, the main woman, right? Yeah. Just how Die. much she loves D. him. Yeah. Whatever. Die, yeah, they call her Die, too. Yeah, this is an excellent, excellent movie. I saw this in a theater, Adam. I don't know if you know. Awesome. Me, too. Uh, and I was thinking the same thing. Like, did the projector fuck up? <laughs> What's with the the box on the <laughs> side? What's with the letterbox? But no, it was it was excellent. And uh, I don't know. I guess we can reveal why it is, mm-hmm. why that happens. It's just for this one moment in the movie where things are finally looking up, and the the main kid, what's his name, Steve? Yes. He yeah. Mm-hmm. He pulls the the boxes or the the black bars off to the side he just pulls it away and you're like wow i feel so free and alive and then mm-hmm. the scene after he goes back to his you know his old routine of yelling at people and being rude and just the the black bars come back and you're like ah oh, fuck she gets served in the mail they do it yeah. a couple of times don't they yeah they it's do. not just for yeah. one moment that's for sure 
but that's like the that was the most effective moment yeah well every time they do it it's, it's strange that more films have not played around with aspect ratio what, what was that film from last year it comes, it at, comes night. at night that did it a little yeah. bit yeah 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 that did yeah. a bit and i was and i thought that was really effective there too um mm-hmm. but this one in particular actually had a a true like emotional response from me with the work it's just mm-hmm. so effective it's because it's something that's not not done very often um and it really yeah. does like enrich everything about the, those moments and then yeah yeah i would disagree yeah. with the uh by you saying ralph that it's just for one moment because although that is the most important moment where it becomes incredibly clear what the film is going for and that it's directly associated with the emotions of the characters. I mean, it, yeah. it, it wouldn't work without the entirety of, of the film sort of desensitizing you and acclimatizing you to it. You know, it, Oh yeah. It, it, it builds it up really well yeah. and it does it other times, but it, that was the one moment where it stuck out to me the most, like this is why it's here. Mm-hmm. And then immediately after it closes back in and you feel this fucking claustrophobic yeah, feeling when it comes exactly. back. Exactly. Claustrophobia and it makes you so is exactly uncomfortable. what I would use to describe yeah. it. Yeah. It, to me, it was like, it was almost like um, the mother since, you know, it's the title of the film mommy and it focuses on her the most and you mm-hmm. feel kind of connected with her plight the most. It, it made it feel like, like she's trapped. She has no way out. And, and mm-hmm. these, the, the black bars are literally trapping her in this life. You know, she's, she now has this uh, court date because of something her son mm-hmm. did. She has, he's living with her now. Um, she can't go to just one place for like a half hour without him causing some some ruckus at home and and eventually peeing on himself, you know, mm-hmm, and so yeah. she's just completely isolated, uh, has has no real way out. And those those brief moments where the aspect ratio shifts back to uh, sixteen by nine are really powerful because I, I was watching it last night and I I've never been blown away by an aspect ratio (laughs) (laughs) but like the introduction of the aspect ratio it just made me feel like i just connected exactly with what he was trying to communicate through his Mm -hmm. film the characters had these moments where they felt freedom they had these little fleeting moments like he literally is on a a cart screaming i'm free i'm free where he he has like this this these brief little moments where they feel like the world's okay and then she gets a letter in the mail and hey we're back to real life again yeah. Yeah. I feel like it is directly connected to uh Dai's emotions specifically because even in the mm-hmm. second time it happens it's within her daydream too. You know, she's right. looking for that that uh light at the end of the tunnel in her life and she feels trapped and she communicates this throughout the film too very very straightforwardly if that's a word straightforwardly. Um <laughs> it could be. When they're like when they're after the karaoke scene and she's yelling about she's like oh, i have to take care of this little retard who pisses his pants and never get to do anything blah 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 and it's like you you see it all come out and it's just so incredibly genuine and well done i really really love all of the acting in this movie all three performances yeah. are yeah the mm-hmm. the three probably best performances of the year honestly to me mm-hmm. it was insane i was pretty blown away by her as well and dorval um, I started looking up what else she had done so I could watch what else she had done because uh, it, I, I also watched uh, your review, Adam, from 2014. Mm-hmm. And I agree with what you were saying about how really no one really feels like a character. No one feels like they're written. It, it, it's almost like you're, you're spying on real events 
mm-hmm. like documentary style. And it, it just feels so tangible. Like you could just walk into that room and probably talk with those characters. Or like, like you said, Ralph, it doesn't feel like the script is pushing or pulling them in any direction. It just, mm-hmm. it's happening. And we watch it happen and and that's those are the best types of movies to me is uh, mm-hmm. will i want to rewatch this movie every every month no i mean it's it's there are scenes that are really hard downer. to get through yeah it's it's a depressing <laughs> movie sometimes um something that i'm interested in hearing your guys opinion of is since we get that sequence where die is sort of daydreaming about what could happen and I, to me as soon as she showed up with a brand new car I was like, something's something's off here, like this doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. And then it, and then he gets into Juilliard and all the, and then he's getting married. And during that daydream, it then it cuts back to her and she's sort of imagining it. At the end of the film, she's in her apartment having like a moment to herself. And then we see uh, Steve escape out of his straitjacket and run for the door. Do you think she imagined that too? No. No, I, don't I don't think so either. Okay. Yeah, no, he ran so yeah. he ran for the window. And who the fuck knows what yeah. floor that was on. I like how ambiguous it was kind of left at the end. Like, is he going to break through? Is he going to die? Is he just going to hit and fall over and look like a fucking idiot? You know? Yeah, it, okay. it was weirdly hopeful, even though logistically he would never get out of that situation. But like just that image of him running to the window. Yeah. Like, oh, he's he's free, even just for a moment. That's what made me think it was a little ambiguous, was that it just felt so it felt more hopeful than the rest of the film, I think, where, and and since we were given a sequence where she does daydream what she wishes her son would do in that moment, it made me start to think that it could be that. But Mm. I, I think like if the, if the aspect ratio had changed at that point back to wide again, then I would definitely say it's a daydream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't even Mm -hmm. really see it as that hopeful. It was very like bittersweet. Since it doesn't like, I, I think it's probably still, happening but it just it's an interesting way to look at it like it has the ending has a lot more layers than 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 it should which i like yeah mm-hmm. it was just a perfect ending because i was i'm like how do you end a movie like this <laughs> where yeah. it's so fucking miserable and i think that's just the perfect way to end it there's one aspect of the movie that um I, i'm not sure if i like or not with yeah. the the film opens with some text explaining which i thought was quite strange explaining that it's set in an alternate Mm -hmm. reality somewhat where there's this certain law 2015 fake canada (laughs) this really specific hyper specific (laughs) law i can't remember what it said specifically but it was something to do with kind of mental health it was literally just to set up the ending that's it i yeah yeah, Yeah. there it was unnecessary i I agree with you i didn't like it either i was waiting for like some red words to come up that was like and these are called (laughs) yeah yeah i'm like like okay is this blade runner like what yeah (laughs) you need that text at the beginning that's for sure very unnecessary for me because it's like well we're just waiting for the scene where this happens then it, it just it felt very odd to me it reminded me of how in the in the film annihilation at the beginning it kind of spoils where it's going to end and mm. that does take a bit of the oomph out of the the storytelling to me we haven't I we haven't talked about how that. you didn't the remember first that time i saw it. no the first time i saw it, i didn't remember that and the thing is if you cut out that text and still have that ending it totally would have worked i wouldn't have even doubted it like oh they're putting him in a in a mental hospital that, that's yeah, the thing like, it seemed unnecessary like you didn't even need me. it oh yeah, yeah. did not yeah. need it whatsoever 
And see, like, I'm not even from Canada. I would have just been like, oh, that's some Canadian thing. <laughs> yeah, the, those Canadians are crazy with their looks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it didn't have to be even set in... I guess they do reference, like, Montreal and Toronto, and they reference the Americans down south and stuff like that. So it is a very yeah. Canadian film. There's a bunch of Celine Dion <laughs> in it. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And I, I guess my one question would be, why... Was it set in 2015 Canada when there's literally nothing that attaches it to 2015? It could have been 2007 and all the phones would have fit. Yeah. But if you ask Xavier Dolan, he, ju he just says, no, I like flip phones. That's why they're in the movie. Like, it's, he just likes flip hmm. phones. I don't know why he didn't set it in 2007. There was nothing in 2015 about it. Yeah. Definitely a bold choice. I think flip phones are more cinematic because you can, like, flip it shut, you know, and, like, have, like, yeah. a, a, mm -hmm. a good ending to the conversation. And there's something that... that allows like with a flip phone you can actually and this is this is such a stupid thing to say but i'm going to say it with a flip phone you can actually like kind of communicate how angry or how passive someone's feeling like if they close it slowly they if they slam it shut they're mad but like with a modern day smartphone you you just kind of like press it and it does stuff it's not cinematic <laughs> you could yeah, fold your I mean... iphone in half and it would be pretty cinematic <laughs> yeah, that'd be the ultimate end to a phone call in a movie is just crushing your phone and folding it and then eating it yeah and then we, we should make a movie like that whenever they end a phone call they fucking just destroy their in a phone completely in serious film <laughs> yeah in a completely serious film that'd yeah be great. all right ralph let's let's co-write a short film that's literally just a minute of like a phone conversation that's really fucking angry and at the end he just he just eats his phone. That's just <laughs> Let's totally do it. I'm on board. Let's go. Um, earlier, Alex, I cut you off when you were saying something. So. Yeah, I was, I'm surprised none of us have brought up just how unbelievably gorgeous the film is. Like, Oh, yeah. yes. Very it, well shot. It's got this autumnal kind of soft, warm mm -hmm. presentation, you know? It's so like well lots of yellows, oranges, and, and blues, yes. which, uh, yeah, it, it was just... Unbelievably gorgeous. I was gonna say Xavier Dolan, who wrote this as well, which is amazing. He was like 25 when he made this. Oh yeah, yeah. which is fucking fantastic. And like, apparently, it's he nuts. got into Cannes when he was like 19 or 20. Yeah, with his first movie, I Killed My Mother. I think that's mm -hmm. what it's called. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. So this is an immensely talented guy. And yeah, this movie just goes to show he gets better and better. Yeah, mm -hmm. a child. Prodigy. I saw a few of his uh, earlier films, and it was clear that he was like experimenting a lot with with colors and and um, really uh, alternative ways of presenting movies, too. Like, he's very creative. Yeah. He likes to do things a little bit differently. He even actually fucked mm. with uh, the aspect ratio in the film previous to Mommy called Tom at the Farm uh, in a mm. more subtle way, honestly, pretty much identically to um, It Comes at Night. So Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I was looking up other films that did that after I saw It Comes at Night, and I saw the scene um, from that movie where they're, where the guys got him in, like, a headlock and the, the mm -hmm. bars start to come down on him. And I'm like, that really is exactly what Trey Edward Schultz did. And, yeah. and he was, like, at festivals talking about how he, he came up with this idea, and I just kind of wanted to be like, someone else already did it, like, in the exact same way. Nobody watches yeah. Canadian movies. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. Right. laughs> um. I, you mentioned uh, Alex about the color. I mm -hmm. totally agree with you because I think a, a non a less experienced director would take a movie that's depressing like this and that's so dour and that's you know it's a tough watch, and they would be like, well, "This has to be desaturated. This has to be gray. This has to be cold." 
but really the entire film is really warm orange colors and and like the sunlight streaming in through the windows you can you sense the breeze coming in sometimes when they're in the kitchen it's a it's i think the perfect answer whenever someone says that is no look at mommy i mean that that's a very dark film very depressing film and the whole film looks bright you don't have to think that colors change necessarily just based on your characters yeah yeah well i mean but then you have to put effort into the characters and the acting and you can't yeah. just use the color palette as a crutch just to yeah. clue into the audience that it's supposed to <laughs> yeah, be exactly. said. You know? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, and that's what <laughs> a less experienced director would do. They'd be like, yeah. well, we'll desaturate it and it'll be dark. It's like, no. That's not I'm how it telling works. you it's sad and you're supposed to feel sad. <laughs> exactly. Look how blue it is. It's sad. See? <laughs> it's a sad movie. Mm-hmm. How, how did you guys feel about uh, Wonderwall being in it? The whole soundtrack, uh, honestly, my roommate felt a little distracted by it, and I was. I got the impression I that a lot too. of people get distracted by the soundtrack. Is something so that I is it hear supposed online. to be the playlist his father made for him? Um, you know, I I could eventually freeze the frame on the uh, moment where where he shows the CD and you can see the track listing, and perhaps it would be there. But either way, I feel like even if it's not literally that, I feel like it's that in a a symbolic way. Like Dolan, from what I understand, he doesn't he doesn't do this with every movie. I've never seen another movie from him where he has this constant nostalgic hit playlist going along with every scene in the film. Um, I feel like that's very much unique to this movie. And Mm -hmm. I I do. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but um, pretty much every single song, the lyrics perfectly describe what the characters are going through in their emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, even from the opening scene with uh, Di deciding that she's going to look after her son, you know, I won't put my flag up and surrender, blah, blah, blah. Like, all the lyrics match perfectly to what's being shown. And I almost, well, I would have to assume that the film was written around the soundtrack in a sense. Where I think it was. was in I, I think it was the because um, the song "Wonderwall" actually, like it begins right after Steve coughs. Mm-hmm. Like he he she she turns around, she winks at him, and he coughs, and that is exactly what happens on the actual "Wonderwall" album. Like there's actually oh, a shit. cough sound. There's a cough hmm. sound that precedes. That's kind of interesting. Oh, no, cool. I thought I remembered that. I thought I remembered that while watching it. And just to confirm, I did. I looked it up online, and yeah, that is that is true. So, I do think he, you know, like way before they even shot this movie, he knew he wanted Wonderwall there for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I didn't feel um, distracted by the soundtrack. It does make it feel very unique to me. I, I don't feel off put by it at all. But I can understand why that would happen to some people. I guess. I saw it as like a cultural thing, like uh, it's a it's a different country or different language or whatever. Yeah. So for them, it's not as distracting. But I don't know I don't if know. I agree with that. It didn't I bother think... me that much. <laughs> I, I was just trying to justify it. To... I think French Canada was just as aware of all of those hits as the rest of Canada. <laughs> yes, I'm aware. <laughs> well, when I saw it, I didn't know anything about it. I just assumed, oh, it's French. Mm. Uh, it's a French movie. It could be from France. I don't fucking know. <laughs> they actually they actually put French subtitles in for the Cannes release of this film because French Canadian accent is so very different than the actual French accent. It's like it's really? like 
It's like if uh, French had a southern accent. Like, French people hate mm. the French-Canadian accent. They think Got it sounds it. disgusting. <laughs> they hate it. For God's sake. Don't you think the film, every frame kind of looks like... It looks like the kind of pictures you'd see hanging in a trendy coffee shop somewhere, you know? Like, you could take any frame from the movie. And yeah. that's just what I kept thinking I can of. see that, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I can right. totally see that. It's actually interesting. It has that kind of I would personality. Like, I would like Criterion to release... Uh, I'm not sure if Criterion has released a Blu-ray, but if they haven't, I want that to be the quote on the back of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just wanted to say Alex says that every shot looks like a <laughs> coffee shop. <laughs> Fixed. I well, agree with you. I though, you, could, you could scroll to a random frame, print it out, and hang it up. And, and yeah, it, look, it does it feel nice very picturesque. Yeah. yeah, well, the framing was so unique just because of that aspect ratio. Mm -hmm. You have to frame everything differently. And again, that adds to that that kind of coffee shop photos hanging on a wall feel that I loved about it. Yeah. Did you know that it's actually not taller than it is wide? It's a perfect square one by one yeah. aspect ratio. I was reading perfect that, yeah. Square. yeah. And I like, square. I really enjoyed uh, the moments where you could tell the way that the shot was set up and the framing was aware mm -hmm. of it. They didn't just crop it after the fact. Like there's very specific key moments where it's it makes sense. Like the microwave shot where it says hell and then it says hello. You know, like oh, yeah. the yeah. the film itself and the way that it's presenting this in a claustrophobic sense, it's turning her reality into something that is hell. When you know, microwave saying hello, but you're seeing hell and you're not seeing the full picture because you're stuck in this claustrophobic environment this depression mm -hmm. i feel like that kind of highlights it very well just that one shot and it happens a few times like even the um the shot at the end where he's on the phone and he's like i'm so fucking high right now and when he's in the straight jacket and you see in the wider shot that his it's it's not his hand holding up the phone but if that yeah. were a wide angle if you didn't have the bars on the side you would already know that you know yeah, it makes I the actually reveal said like out more interesting when when it cut to that wide of him in the straight jacket I actually like out loud said wow like that was a really it just it hit me, you know, because I love when directors can just cut to a wide and you understand everything mm -hmm. it's it's one shot. It's not even moving. It's not dollying. It's nothing. It's just a static wide shot and you well in this case a static square shot and you you understand <laughs> exactly what he wants you to know. I looked up the director because I really wanted to to watch more of his films, and I realized that I've actually seen him before as an actor. Uh, oh yeah, times. yeah. Um, I just just like a month ago, I watched this great fucked up movie called Martyrs. Yes, and he is in that film. And if you haven't yeah. seen it, I won't ruin what happens. But Opening scene, I was pretty like, much. Yeah, I was like, damn, that kid. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, dinner so, table. Oh my god, I loved that scene so much adam like that blew me away it kind of changed the way i i look at violence in movies oh awesome glad to hear uh alex and ralph have you seen martyrs no, no. i haven't wow okay uh -oh. i'll keep that in mind next <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. we'll be watching it. it soon <laughs> i'll tell you, I'll tell you this just that. like like as a warning like if, if you thought mommy was depressing like after Martyrs, I literally started searching Netflix for like children's animation shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't look up anything about it, is all I'm going to say. 
Yeah. Yeah. Adam Adam yeah. shows us some Look pretty depressing nothing. movies. Yeah, I didn't think it was that depressing. Watched a movie about dog fighting. Yeah. Compared to yeah, that one, the of <laughs> England is incredibly depressing. Uh, How soon? This fucking it was just yeah. a fucking nightmare. <laughs> so Alex, you you said you found the music like distracting. I I think what it is is when when you use such famous songs, or or just any any quite popular song, chances are you're gonna have or maybe have some kind of kind of personal relationship with the songs memories attached to the song so if there's something i associate with with a certain part of my life or or with something else or like just the drunk person i know singing it on mm-hmm. his acoustic guitar i don't want to be reminded of that yeah when watching a movie i, I prefer when it's a little more i don't i don't know if subtle would be the right word or just more you don't connect it with with a, like a previous experience making yeah. taking which which would take you out of the film. But it's like yeah, it's any anything that can be attached to any sort of meme or you know mm-hmm. kind of culture like that. It just yeah. it, it pulls me out for a second. I, I thought the scene was still fine. It, it didn't ruin the film for me or anything. But it, the thought was there was all. And you only experienced that with Wonderwall. None of the other songs. Um, I did a bit. I don't know. There's just some, there's something quite particular about the music to me, which seemed a little bit off and and I don't know, slightly on the nose for my liking. Yeah, it didn't ruin the film for me or anything, but it did pull me out for just a second. Cool. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I would say in most movies, I would agree with you, um, but this is a movie yeah. that kind of owns it. You know, there was a film that I watched recently. I think I was watching it on on the plane. I think it was. All the money in the world, it might have been, where they kept oh, yeah. using all these songs that I'd heard way too many times before, but it was clearly not part of the point. I don't know if it was that movie or not. Yeah. I can't remember which one. I think I think that's what it was. It's just, are they really using, yeah? Okay, okay they're making it work, but it's just there's that initial doubt. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like this kind of owns it better. I feel like it's For different sure. when... It's clearly just on a checklist of songs that have been used in movies before that we need to use in a movie yeah. because this is how you make a movie yeah. and this is the track list you're supposed to have. Whereas this felt more like a personal playlist from Xavier Dolan, you know? Right. I'm waiting yeah. for like a Vietnam War movie to come out that doesn't have Creedence Clearwater Revival's <laughs> yeah. Sun. Doesn't have Rolling Stones music. Yeah, oh like I, I totally agree with you, Adam. Because like so many times I see these movies, it's almost like the filmmakers pick songs because they can't think of anything else. Like that's the song that we will put here, and we can get the rights to it. So that that is something I kind of liked about this movie was even though. <laughs> like my wife was in the next room and I was watching it and she was like, is that Oasis? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. In this French film uh, that was my reaction. shot like a square. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the square. Yeah, a um, lot of these directors use it too, like the music just to set the time period and it's always like, oh, so you're going to just play 70s music or when it's Vietnam, they play again, like you said, Creedence Clearwater and, and Rolling Stones. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like what Tarantino does with it where it just fucking plays wherever he wants. Like Django Unchained, there's like rap music in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Just like stuff yeah. that doesn't fit the period at all. But it's interesting. Yeah. Or like uh, in um, uh, The Hateful Eight, he actually like reused old music from one of Ennio Morricone's uh, forgotten cues from the oh, yeah. thing that, that Carpenter rejected. I love when uh-huh. he does stuff like that. And I feel like. That's cool. 
rarely does like directors have that kind of clout where they can be like, hey, can I use the score from your movie and just put it in because it's what I do? I really like that, though, because it, 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 it lets you kind of craft the scene in your head while you're listening to the music before you even shoot it, which I think he does a lot. And I don't know. I, I clearly like uh, is it Dolan? Do Dolan? Well, you know, Dolan? I Dolan, I thought I it was Dolan, but I some people corrected me saying it it is Dolan, and I was saying Dolan okay. as a joke, but it is, I guess. Okay. I don't know, okay. but I'm pretty sure it's Xavier. I think he definitely was listening to a lot of those songs way before he even shot the film, especially because mm -hmm. it has that cough moment in there just like on mm -hmm. the album. So yeah, I think he was ahead of the curve a little bit. Although I agree with you, Alex, it being distracting, I wouldn't take away points from the movie for it. Yes, yeah, it's like when Tarantino uses it. It's distracting, but it's interesting, and you're like, mm -hmm. "All right, I, I yeah. do like that decision." It does work ultimately. Yeah. What did you guys think of the song that was playing during the dream sequence? I don't. The that was orchestral, right? It was, but it's it's actually not. It wasn't scored for the film. It is the it, okay. I, I mentioned this composer before. It's the same composer from This Is England, actually, Ludovico oh, really? Ainati, and the track is called Experience. And although this film is one where I think I heard it for the first time in this film, I'm pretty sure. No, I, I don't remember if I heard his album beforehand. Either way, this was the first time I'd heard it used in other media, and now at this point, it's being used in like a lot of car commercials and shit. So. It might reach a point where, unfortunately, it, it gets bastardized. But oh. mm -hmm. uh, we actually I, have a clip from uh, Ludovico Ainati right now, if you haven't heard some of his material before. Oh, <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what did you want to say? Man, Ludovico. <laughs> True talent. Chris, you, you, Chris, know, you were I, saying I something? I, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt that amazing moment just now. <laughs> I had thought I had heard it before. And now that you mentioned that it's in car commercials, that's probably where I've heard it. Yeah, I, I was actually humming it after that scene because I thought it was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I loved it. Good composer. Yeah, he is. Is there? Uh, <laughs> I don't anything think there's anything else, else to say about mommy. Like to mention? I think we all loved it. Yeah, it's just I, I really guess, solid. I feel like we should mention that, like, something about like what do you think his motivation? for kissing his mother was while kissing like, his uh, hand on his mother's no I think. no there's a no, scene where he literally yeah. kisses her i'm trying to remember um he full on just kisses her for a few yeah, seconds he's, he's yeah he's he's a developmentally mm. uh challenged child for sure and he definitely, doesn't understand like, boundaries that's for sure I, definitely mm -hmm. but i think it was a little beyond that too because he, he looks in her eyes and, and he's like um some people um some people do fall out of love, but I'll never do that with you. I'll always be there for you. And then he just leans in like this really passionate, creepy kiss. Mm -hmm. And she just walks away. And, and her expression, like to me, I could be overthinking this, but her expression, it, it didn't, she didn't seem that surprised by it. She, yeah. It's almost like she was just kind of waiting for it to inevitably happen. Like she knew it would eventually happen one day. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a little bit more than maternal love for him and his head for her i think that they have a very yeah. uh, atypical relationship that you know goes further towards sexual than most mother child relationships would yeah. but i don't think that it is vibe. actually sexual for them i think that they are just very um 
kind of like free spirits in a way and even if something looks really yeah. fucked up to the rest of the world they don't give a shit sort of thing and they know their own relationship i don't think they're fucking if that's no i don't <laughs> think so either i, I... I don't think they I don't think so either, but I do think that if she hadn't put him in that home that eventually he might have tried. Yeah. Yeah. But that uh that could have happened, but that could have been a motivation too for also why she put him there. Yeah. There are yeah. fucked up people that do rape their mothers. Stories come out like mm. that every once in a while. So who the fuck knows? I gotta rewatch this movie with that in mind. Mm. <laughs> That's an interesting <laughs> observation. I mean I was thinking that, but I, I just always took it as He's, he kind of confuses sexual love with how you love your mother, a more maternal, you know, yeah. caring love like that. I, I mm-hmm. never thought of it as like, oh, they might have some side action going on. Mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> think they. I don't think they do. I just there's definitely. But it like could have led major, to that. Yeah. There's a major jealousy aspect too uh, when they go to the karaoke club and she's oh, trying yeah. to impress that lawyer who just wants to get he thinks just wants to get in her pants and that really sets him off. So there's, mm-hmm. there's definitely mm-hmm. a, a very controlling aspect to the way he views his mom's sexuality oh, yeah. or what, or what she might do outside of home. He's manipulative mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What would you guys give it out of 10 or out of uh, a through F <laughs> or out of stars? I'd give it, uh, no, I'd give it in like an 8.5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. What would you give it on your scale? Uh, probably like an A minus. A. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I'd probably give it a four out of five. <laughs> nice. Four. Really? Yeah. I, I I gotta go five. I mean, this is one of the most moving films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Gotta be. <laughs> I mean, I kind of undersold it here because we were all talking about all these different elements, like how great the direction was and all that. But yeah, this is a really powerful movie. For me. See, now we mm-hmm. can really argue because we all just gave it a grade. So now we yeah. can really argue. Yeah, exactly. I would give it a That's nine out of ten. Nine. Yeah. Like How Hitler. dare you not think it's perfect? <laughs> like Hitler. <Okay>. Nine. <laughs> nine. <laughs> well, I'm glad you all liked Mommy. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. Mummy. The Mummy. As we say over here. The I Mommy with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Alex, I wanted to ask you something. How do you pronounce yogurt in your country? Because uh, I heard Gordon Ramsay say it, and he's yogurt. like, he said yogurt. Yogurt? Oh my yogurt, god, what the yeah. fuck is wrong with you people? Yogurt? <laughs> Greek yogurt, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's yogurt. How do you pronounce <laughs> aluminum? <laughs> Jaguar? I'm going to no. find words for you every week and just. Jaguar. <laughs> Jaguar? No, you pronounce yeah. it. Jesus you pronounce Christ. it Jenkum. <laughs> we, we gotta start selling Jenkum t-shirts because I know like oh, at least a hundred people will buy it the first day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have like a whole sub community of just Jenkum fans. Mm, we're obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> We've got that market on hold because no one mm. else has taken it. Yet. <laughs> um, uh, you guys want to do some questions? Of course, Alex. Do you want to start? Yeah. Damn straight. Oh, you ask them on Reddit, by the way. Just so, oh, yeah, you, of in course. case you don't know. Yeah, go to the Sardonicast Reddit. And I actually went through every single question this time. Because I'm that obsessed. I was really one as comb for good ones. Loser. But this is one from uh, yeah, <laughs> Frame Genius, who asks, Which movies in the most recent years do you think will be considered classics in the future? Um, I'll, I'll start mm. so you guys have a bit of thinking time. But I think um, Blade Runner 2049 will be remembered as a classic in years to come. 
That's what I was going to say. Mm. Yeah, that's for sure. Sorry. That's, that's guaranteed. I can't remember the last time I saw a movie that long uh, two times in a row in such quick succession without getting bored. And I know. I mean, every shot, every fucking goddamn shot in that movie is perfect. Like, it's mm-hmm. even beyond the aesthetics. I, I've never seen a sequel come out that with that much time in between the, the previous one and, and with a film that's already regarded as a classic and still somehow be that good. So, yeah, I agree with you, man. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. I liked it. <laughs> I didn't. I, didn't, well, I, I like Blade Runner a lot. Yeah, yeah. See, we're all definitely, wrong definitely gonna be a classic. Um, yeah, it, I think it's gonna be a classic. Yeah, I don't consider it one, but yeah, I really liked it. Uh, how far back are we allowed to go in terms of recent, like five well, years? They didn't say, but they just said recent. Yeah. Yeah, recent, I mean, so like you know, No Country for Old Men's already a classic. Can we yeah, agree on that? Like yeah. So like ten years is too much. Uh-huh. I would say Social Network's a classic already. Like that would nah. be my go-to. Is it? That's like. I guess. Yeah, so. I think so. Just, that's I like a generation-defining I... movie. That's yeah. like that's about my generation. Like. I guess so. It's an amazing film. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think don't know I guess, that would be my answer. I think I think like it's it. How do we define it? Are we defining the way like you know the academic community views a classic, or or like the way like for instance. My generation views The Sandlot as a classic, but you're not going to see The Sandlot show up on Sight and Sound's best of list or something, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it's are we talking, like, you know, the way people adopt movies like The Big Lebowski, for instance, and, and kind of turn them into something else? Or just sort of like, you know, a Vertigo or, a, you know, a Psycho, you know, like a Seven Samurai type thing? Time like, will tell, we, exactly. you know? Yeah. It'll be clear what's a classic when it is one. There's genre right. classics too, like oh, if you if you want to see a good action movie, you have to see the two raid movies. I could see pick people like twenty years from now going, you have to see the raid, raid the raid one and the raid two. It's like those are fucking peak best. There's action a movie movies for me that long time. I agree, I agree. There's a movie for me that's improved over time. It's only thirteen years old, um, but V for Vendetta. The first time I saw V for Vendetta, I thought it was fine, and. Over the years, like the subtext, the political subtext has become more relevant with each passing year. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah. way it explores terrorism and the way we view terrorism, uh, and, and what's so impressive about it is it came out just like four years or four or five years after nine eleven, and mm-hmm. that was still kind of like a fresh bruise, really. And they they had the balls to talk about it and and sort of show a terrorist in a sympathetic light. And I think that movie has improved over time. I, th- I feel like that film will be sort of one that people talk about a lot more in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. It's amazing. I saw that movie like two years ago and I was shocked how relevant it was because I had never yeah. seen it beforehand. I was like, yeah. wow, this is actually, this is aged very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some things that aren't so great about it, but like yeah, no. really good movie still. I mean, we could count Mad Max Fury Road too. Yeah, I, think I was, was going to say that. I was going to say that. Like, that's... like a masterful piece of filmmaking. Yeah. I was going to say that too. Yeah. Uh The Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> the Dark Knight's the best superhero movie ever. That's nothing that's comes close. Ago. That's 10 years ago now. <laughs> yeah. Um that's already a classic. I uh I would argue like any Villeneuve movie like Arrival, Prisoners, like those Prisoners. people are going to consider those classics for sure, you know. You think so? Um, I don't. I think Prisoners, it, yes, maybe 
I think prisoners, yes, but maybe not arrival. Mm -hmm. I think arrival is amazing, but yeah. I feel yeah, like I a lot. I feel like it bores a lot of people. Yeah, I think Arrival is um, amazing too. I still don't think it's like a classic amazing movie. Don't mm -hmm. know if it's one of those guys. I like all of his movies. I just don't love any of them. I think Prisoners is like one of the best purely dark dramas I've seen in a long time. It's still my favorite movie of 2013. Um, mm, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, I, I feel like critics are like critics are afraid to admit that movies age or that movies aren't as good on rewatch because they're so like hoity-toity about their grades and stuff. But like that changes all the time. Like you can watch a movie that came out five years ago and be like, oh, this just doesn't hit me the way it does back then. But Prisoners, I think, has maintained itself really well. 100% definite classic Whiplash. For yes. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whiplash. Definitely. Guaranteed. Test of time. Guaranteed. No question. I'm right. You're all wrong. Suck it. No, I agree with you. <laughs> I, was just I, was talk, I was talking to our listeners. They're oh, idiots. Like the, the movie came out and it made like $10 million in the box office. And then by the end of that year, everyone had seen it that I knew. Like a yeah. fuck ton of people have seen Whiplash and yeah. just adore it. I think Drive yeah. is one of those too. Drive. Drive's a little older. For sure. Drive is like the film mm -hmm. student answer. Like everyone's got to drive poster in their wall on their yeah. wall in a film school it's like the new pulp fiction one more <laughs> answer for classics uh her by spike jones for yes sure. yeah. Oh, yeah that's yeah. people will consider that's that as a, a classic if i don't think it's been long enough for people to already consider it that but i think people will for sure yeah it's going to be one of those like 2001 where like 30 years from now we're basically going to be mm -hmm. living in that society and yeah. they're going to yeah. be like wow her predicted all of this that's amazing <laughs> 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 I already date my phone though, so yeah. Oh, yeah. there you go. It's, Me too. Oh, nice. I think we all do. Yeah, it's the uh, emoji app. Yeah, emoji. Nice. The emoji movie app. <laughs> I have an a intimate question. relationship with the emoji movie. What app. is it, Ralph? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's interesting, Adam. Uh, so I have a question from Caillou B. Derewski. Uh, that's that's his <laughs> yeah, name. I, I don't know what you. Since Stuckman is quite an avid anime fan, what's your favorite animated movie that's from Japan for all of you? Favorite animated film from Japan? Yeah. Shit, man. Um, I mean, it's a cliche, but I got to go with uh, Hayao Miyazaki's films. Probably Spirited Away. Come down. Yeah, that was mine. I, I feel like Spirited Away is a movie you can show anyone, even if they've never watched anime before, and they're, they're just blown of away course. by it. Yeah. Won the Oscar. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I've I've never seen a single one of his films, and I really need to. Hey, I don't never... start with that one because that will start you too high, and then every one you watch after that, you won't yeah. like as much. Yeah, should I start with Ponyo? Oh. Uh, no, that's that's one of his worse. And they'll all get better. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so every it'll go up from there. Okay, so yeah, but then you might not want to watch anymore after. Yeah, that. that's true. So um, Ponyo is actually my first movie review, by the way. Really? Why? Oh, yeah. that's. Huh. A, Oh, we yeah. got to track that down. That's going on the road. Wow. It, it's not on the internet anymore, unfortunately. That was on my oh, first so, channel. Someone will find it. Someone will find it, yeah. That was on my first channel. Um, but no, uh, if you were to see one, maybe check out like uh, Kiki's Delivery Service or uh, My Neighbor Totoro first. And if you like yeah. that, then progress to Spirited Away. Yeah, I, I bet I'll I like don't know them. if I agree At with most, that. I'll, I will appreciate it too. I would say, think, I mean, you could watch Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke and 
You know, mm-hmm. if you want to continue, you know, looking up his other films, I don't think there's anything wrong with seeing the best ones first. Yeah, there isn't. They're just, I just, I want him to like it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I probably will. Okay. Uh, Alex, you, you had the same answer. Talk a little bit about it. Yeah, Spirited Away. I haven't seen it for a while, but I was obsessed with that film. When it's great. I was a bit younger. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I also really like um, Howl's Moving Castle. I know yeah it's not it's not held in the same regard but that was another one that's i, I haven't seen it for a while but that was definitely like a childhood movie for me that i really really definitely. that's my wife's really favorite liked. too she loves yeah that film. i think it's yeah. magnificent all-time favorite anime cory in the house <laughs> no one mentioned oh. akira well you know why because i haven't seen it oh you I haven't seen it that was know... that's my answer is akira okay, great yeah, there were people in the subreddit saying we should see it, and I was almost thinking of picking it, even though I've never seen it, because I know I'm supposed to like it sort of thing, you know? It's yeah. great. It's wonderful. It is. It's, it's, it's fucking awesome. I have yeah. a Blu-ray, but it's I haven't so watched cool. it yet. It's so cool. I had never cool. seen anime prior to college, and I met this group of friends who watches it all the time. We watched one anime where it started as like a, a, like a political drama, and by the last episode, it was like they were in hell fighting Satan, and Satan was just like fucking killing people and having sex with everyone. <laughs> it was crazy. And then they showed me Akira, and it was like the coolest fucking movie I've ever seen. It was motorcycles and explosions. The end of the movie, which is this, this apocalyptic event. Epic it's all hand drawn too, man. That's the it's most all hand drawn, and the use of light in it was excellent. Mm-hmm. I know this. I'm not a big animation guy, so I don't study it as much. But I I saw videos on it, like how they you know, used light in interesting ways in an animated film. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, I still need to. I I still need to see more animes. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's, how, that's how you pronounce it. Shut up. Yeah, Anis. it is. <laughs> Anime. Uh, yeah, I. I I would have to say probably Spirited Away or Mononoke, but yeah, it's just I haven't broadened my horizons so much. I've seen quite a few, just not it's not I guess a lot that I've really. If you want to see if you want to see a great movie that's an anime feature film that is not Hayao Miyazaki, uh, ignore the title. It sounds generic as fuck. It's called Vampire Hunter D: Bloodlust. It's mm. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm sounds serious. Sounds like a porno. I know it does. Ignore the title. It's fucking incredible it's violent it has just it's amazing i, I mm. highly highly suggest that uh Definitely amazing a great soundtrack too and i know adam you love to pay attention to the soundtracks so um yeah boy yeah definitely check that one out gotta okay. hunt that d <laughs> look for the d oh my god <laughs> there's a game called d4 where the main character is looking for the d the whole game <laughs> <laughs> There, okay, I'm not even kidding. Um, I was watching, what was it? Somebody showed this to me. One of my friends, I think it was an old episode of like, Are You Afraid of the Dark or something? And there's a character named D, like D-E-E. And there's like a little 12-year-old boy who's like, I'm looking for D? I'm lo- excuse me, I'm looking for D? And I was, and it, it's just he does that for like a whole scene, and I, my oh, no. you know very immature brain thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah same thing in Sleepless. Jamie Fox, his wife's name is D. Like, what are you doing, D? You gotta find D. <laughs> and his son's name's T. <laughs> so he's finding hey, D I and mean, T. It, it, it ain't no crap. It ain't they no crap. Uh, snatch and grab. Easy job, grab. Right? Yeah, he ain't no easy grab. They got T. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Ralph, do you even okay. know the impact you have? Like. Uh, with that, like, if you go to the IMDb page, for sleep, <laughs> I actually looked at the, like, 
the only quote listed for sleepless is that. Yes! I didn't know that! Man, I'm a meme generator. I'm so it's proud. That's great, dude. <laughs> a memeologist. Alex, I think Alex has another question, and you want to cut it off there? Because we're running Yeah, long. we can end on this, right, this one perfect. from Yunky101, who says, mm -hmm. Simple, what are your favorite title sequences? I feel like creative Ooh. ones are really Enter fun the void. and can play into the movie. Enter the Void! That was mine! Yeah. It's I, so, that's why it's I so shouted great it, is because I needed to say it first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Dude, he, the, the logic behind that was Gaspar Noé thought the movie was really long already, so he's like, let me make the title sequence really just fast. And it was just fucking, what, a minute long? It was awesome. I highly recommend you check out this yeah. Enter the Void title sequence. It's on YouTube if you haven't seen oh, it. Oh, it's so good. Old Boy has some great opening titles. The Clock. Yeah, James Bond Thanks. movies have some great ones. I was uh, gonna say so... most of the James Bond, uh, Casino Royale is one of my favorites. Skyfall. Um, yeah. I love the the opening to Psycho, of course, Alfred Hitchcock's original Psycho, mm -hmm. because that just set the tone for the movie. You know, I mean, like with Bernard Herrmann's score. I know, I know, this is one people mention a lot, but with Bernard Herrmann's themes in the background, it just lets you know that at some point in the film that level of intensity is going to happen and mm -hmm, you're yeah. just the film starts and you're waiting for that to happen you're in this this mode of tension for, for throughout the entire film until that first kill and and yeah bernard herman's uh, psycho main titles great stuff itchy the mine killer be... has a pretty good one sorry <laughs> mine would be a uh, alien i really nice. like the oh the that's opening. a great one yeah, just slowly revealing really the text is like really drags out, but it really sets the tone and the atmosphere. If you want to have a, a nice little arc for this uh, whole podcast, the first Deadpool has really great main titles that I've always liked. Yeah, I thought the I second don't even one remember. was really funny too. The, it was the, a it's, parody it's where, of like, Spectre. Yeah, cool. it's where like the credits are like you know um, shot by some hack, you know. <laughs> yeah written by the real heroes and and it's like a slow-mo car turning over and and he's like shooting people in the face yeah funny games that's a great one. Oh yeah, yeah that's a great one yeah. so they good. listen to classical music and they play some like hard rock or something well they like don't screamo. the movie does yeah the, the movie's movie infiltrating their lives yeah interesting uh star wars i mean that's a classic oh, yeah of course da, 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 da. Uh, scott pilgrim versus the world Yep. That's another one. Yeah. I think that's it. Mm. Oh, fuck. How could I forget? Seven. Seven has amazing oh, yeah. opening titles. Oh, yes. That's a good one. The Shining. Oh, yeah. I just remember that now. A lot of Kubrick's. Yeah. Run, Lola, right. Run. Run, Lola, Run. A Girl, Drag a Tattoo. Speaking of Fincher. Yeah, sure. That's a great one. There's it's tons. Kind of like a, it's a James Bond opening, but fucked up. <laughs> and that was it. We could just list a million. Anything else? Yeah, we could just go on and on. We could on. go on forever. Some good choices right. there, boys. Well, we yeah, did it. Good job, We everybody. did it, boys. We did it. Great job. All right, bye, everybody. Wait. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I feel yeah. I feel initiated into your club. <gasps> oh, good. This club Please has back five members. Can I be yeah. a part of your club? <laughs> yes. If you want. Yeah. But you have to say a yeah. prayer we gotta, to We cool got to work out the contracts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm happy. Alex, you had a film that you wanted to recommend, correct? I certainly do. For next episode. 
Mm-hmm. I, I was torn bet- between two. It was between a good film or one to torture you guys with, and I've I've chosen to do a good one. So okay, I, I've chosen the Coen Brothers movie, The Man Who Wasn't There. I don't know Thank if you, you guys have seen it or not. Have you guys oh, seen it? Yeah, haven't seen no. it yet. You wow. Okay, that's good. We're, we've, right, keep nice. them going. I, I'm, I'm on a roll with choice. these. Awesome. Yeah, I have not seen that either. Now I feel like it. Really? Oh. Um, you can watch it. Well. Before yeah, the next discuss it with us next week. <laughs> yeah, you can listen to us talk about it and leave a comment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's one no one really seems to talk about for some reason. So yeah, should be good to dive into. Awesome. Nice. Thank that's you. on Criterion, right? Is it? Dunno. Don't have it here, mate. Alright. Well, if you had a region free Blu-ray player, then you could <laughs> I just buy it on iTunes. It's fine. Yeah, this is true. Alright, well just everybody uh towards it. Everybody listening, Sorry. if you want to participate in the discussion for next episode, go watch the fucking movie because we're going to spoil the shit out of it when we talk about it in next episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channels. Check out Chris Stuckman. Get Stuckmanized. Um, <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> you, 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 you did that, not me. That was, I know. That was your thing. <laughs> you started it. Um, yeah, some of us have uh, Patreon campaigns if you want to support those too. Otherwise, just subscribe to our YouTube channels. Thank you very much for joining. Thanks for being a, a great guest, Stuckman Eyes. Hey, thank um, you guys. Uh, honestly, though, it was, it was, this is really cool. I've gotten to meet you, Adam, but I haven't got to meet uh, the other two. Maybe one day that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll be in LA next year it. for film school. So. Oh, shit. Oh, nice. Maybe. Yeah, we'll try yeah, to meet up and do go. something. Hell yeah. yeah. Make that short film about people eating their phones. <laughs> it's yeah. happening. Get ready for it, people. Do I get a writer's credit or what? Yeah, sure. We all get yeah, like well, a story by credit. Cool. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I be the it's main like character? Go Can I eat a phone? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You can eat a phone. <laughs> Please do. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're we're going to we'll work out the logistics later. Yeah. I'll start eating phones to prepare for this role. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You might see a live tweet from the hospital at some point. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.